God is like the sun. You cannot always look at it, but without it, you cannot look at anything else. The way we find ourselves is by staring into the sun. Well, hello there. Good to see everybody. Well, not see you. Hope you're with us. Good to see you, John. My brother hey. is back. I'm back. You didn't know I was gone, really, listener, but I was gone <laughs> for seven weeks. If they've been listening, they knew. That That's you right. Were if gone. you're current, if you're just dropping in now, you, wouldn't you know didn't even miss a beat. I'm like, That's, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I'm probably going to get back to church this week. And I told everybody, they're going to be like, oh, you left? <laughs> That's always the great fear of every person who's in a community or like, well, they noticed I'm gone. Or was it, I have this one guy at church. He always, and it's so, God bless his heart, he always comes up and he tells me, man, John, you wouldn't believe the preachers that were here. This is the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God bless it, man. <laughs> but every, it's so funny. Every every sermon that's the best sermon he has ever heard is the ones that happened while I was that away. you're not there. Yeah, <laughs> not a part of it. It's very humbling. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got I got the picture. But yeah, it's good to be back, man. I'm, I feel rested and it's It's good to have and, you. There, there's a different energy when I was doing it by myself and... Um, hopefully still useful to people, but look forward to having our, f- like our free flowing conversation. Yeah. Today. I went and listened to your stuff, man. It was off the chain. Can I say that? I'm 40. I just said off the chain. It's probably <laughs> older by now, but it was, <laughs> it was really good, man. I, I enjoyed it. And I mean, don't ask me what it was about now, but at mm-hmm. the time I listened to it and thought it was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> I was Thank in you. sabbatical mode. Things kind of hung with me for a day and then I was on to the next what, thing that was. What's spoken. a sabbatical, John? I mentioned it. I realized when I mentioned it, I yeah. didn't really describe it. What have you been doing? It wasn't seven weeks vacation or golf. You know, that, that's kind of a, I've told that to a few people around. I said, you know, I'm on sabbatical because I'm home. I was home, especially in my neighborhood. And they're like, sabbatical, you just have seven weeks off. And I said, no. So in, in my church world, um, actually specifically within the Church of the Nazarene, that's the denomination that I'm uh, a minister in, that every seven years they give senior pastors uh, sabbaticals for the ministry. So it's just a time of rest and renewal and professional development uh, away from kind of the everyday responsibilities of church administration. So I got to kind of come out of the of my everyday uh, responsibilities and just had time uh, to, I did some classwork. I read about 15 books and journal, did a bunch of writing. It just gave me space to kind of breathe and pause and reflect. And um, speaking of that, I think we're going to talk a little right. bit about that date today because it's just fresh on my mind. But mm-hmm. yeah, sabbatical is just the time. It comes from the word Sabbath, right? To uh, sabbatical means to to carve out space to just be finished and to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think as we talk about that today, we're going to talk about Sabbath, um, sabbatical, taking rest today. So if you want cued into where we're headed, we're going to talk about resting and see where that takes us. Uh, there, there are spiritual implications. Uh, there's practical psychological implications. And and we're just uh, going to dig in and, and see where that goes. So, the, you know, the target of today is to talk about rest the value of it, um, uh, what it means for us as people spiritually and physically, and um, have a have a good, fruitful conversation about that. Before we do that, I just want to remind you, if you find yourself here, just really encourage you to continue to stay engaged with us. Subscribe, share, uh, join us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We've got the clickety, email clickety. available to you. That's right. Uh, clickety, click, yes. click, click. Stare, That's my stare, advertisement yes. for clicking. <laughs> you missed me, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> staring into the sun podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're definitely interested in your feedback or topic interest uh, that we can dive into as pastor and psychologist. We just so, had an awesome comment uh, that I got back to. I was reading through all my emails and stuff. And one of our listeners commented about an episode a while back, actually, about uh, mm-hmm. confession. Uh, I just thought it was so good. Love to engage with you all as readers and um, just encouragement. It stirred my heart up uh, in some different ways that I hadn't thought about that little section that he he read. But just so appreciate feedback. This is great stuff uh, to participate in the conversation for sure. Absolutely. And so, uh, so here we go. We're going to talk about rest today. Uh, John, you got, I think, maybe something to, to get us launched off with. Yeah, well, before we kind of get to some of the things that I've been thinking about specifically about rest, I thought we should start on the adverse and maybe have some conversation. Have you ever felt unrested, <laughs> exhausted, <laughs> overwhelmed? Uh, as a listener, uh, I wonder if, if you've ever, um, you know, burnt the candle on both ends. I can think of all kinds of phrases uh, that kind mm-hmm. of swirl around. I, I talked to folks all the time, just some uh, a gal this morning who was here serving at the church and she's talking about our life and she said, we're just busy all the time. You know, we're running kids to sports and other sports and this sports and we just don't have time for anything, you know, and it's just this, this pressing in of the world of just to go do be always on kind of thing. I wonder if we, if you've ever felt that way, uh, listener, if you have, and maybe we could talk a little bit about the effects of constantly going mm-hmm. all the time. Like how does, what are the, what are the fruits of busyness? Maybe that's a, a better, more clear way to say it in your own life. And maybe just, you know, yeah, introspectively well, I, for the world. I know certainly uh, the first one that comes to mind for me is going through grad school where mm-hmm. I was working full time, having a young family, doing graduate school and trying to, uh, you know, have relationships. And, uh, there were definitely times where I was getting internal feedback from my own body, um, external feedback from people around me that like, what, what in the world are we doing here? Like this is not, (laughs) this is not sustainable. There were definitely a few phone calls that were like, uh, maybe I quit. (laughs) Right. Cause, (laughs) cause I'm getting a lot of feedback that this is going, this is really, really hard and really tough. Um, and so, uh, yes, there, there are definitely times where, um, uh, but, and that was, was by my own choice, although I didn't necessarily have full knowledge of what I was getting into. <laughs> yeah. Choice. But, that's an interesting thing. Sometimes we say it's not like we don't have a choice, but we really do. You know, there, that's a, that'd be another interesting topic. The, sure the way did. we choose to spend our time, you know? I did have choice. Um, and, and I think, yeah, the way I sorted through it was, well, and I, this is probably a part of what keeps us from being able to rest is I would rationalize, well, like there's a, there's an end point for this. And then after that, I'll get back to normal living. Um, and there, there's some flaws to that because you get in the habit of living a certain way and you have to intentionally switch out of it. Uh, say there was an endpoint of graduate school. Well, it's just easy to operate the way I operated when I was in grad school, which is to say, yes, yes, yes. And then find myself, you know, working 60 hours a week when I don't yeah, have something's to. always waiting to take its place, right? There's always the next thing. <laughs> It's like mowing right. your grass. I mow my grass and two days later the grass grew. So I got to mow it yes. again. You know, there's always something waiting, you know, to, to claim our time. I don't know about you, Rob. When I, when I get busy, like when I get overwhelmed with 
with busyness to just going all the time. And I tend to do this. I'm kind of, uh, you know, a go-getter in terms of leadership and work and uh, definitely have an idea of what I want accomplished and how, and we'll do whatever it takes and spend as much time as it t- is required to accomplish the, the way I want things to work out. But a lot of times when I, when I get exhausted or, or to the point where I'm not resting, it, it changes my personality uh, where I become agitated, you know, angry, creates tension in my relationships. I get real short. I mean, shoot, a lot of times I'll even just, it, it'll manifest itself in the way I speak. I'll even speak differently to people mm-hmm. that, that is out of character for me. You know, right. I'll be harsh or sharp words or. Right. Yeah. Um, you're talking, yeah. You're talking about like some of the emotional byproducts of fatigue yeah. and th- there, there's certainly others, right? Like uh, one really cool uh, study of memory uh, has to do with the impact of sleep on recall of information. And uh, like, like say somebody learns a string of words uh, and then they have to recall it. And uh, then they compare that to sleeping overnight and then recalling again. And people can have spontaneous recall of information after they slept that they didn't have before they slept. Like there's something about the the restoration of of sleep and rest that I think as you were speaking to how it affects us emotionally, it also affects us cognitively and and our ability to um, access information or get creative about the problems in front of us. It's kind of weird. It's like when, when I think people can relate to this, when you have a problem that's in front of you that you feel like is really important to solve, and maybe you're close to solving it. it the, the the feeling that y- you begin to develop dissonance of like, well, if I stop now, maybe if I would solve it soon, it's worth the energy I put in. But then sometimes we make this gamble where we find ourselves like way far in and we've given just so much more to the task that we've used up our physical, mental, emotional energy to where our capacity to be creative, to be able to wake up and see what the problem is, to think that becomes much less effective. You you were sharing a story before before we got on that I think is a perfect example of this. Maybe maybe you share that here. Yeah, you be, you can't you kind of see the way forward. <laughs> it makes you <laughs> it makes you make decisions that are probably aren't healthy for you. I'm a I'm a big right. deer hunter. Uh, I love to be out in the woods and you know whatever you think of that listener. I apologize if if you love bambies, but I like to eat bambies. Um, so I, I had shot a buck last year and. Um, got him kind of a little bit back and so he he ran for a long way and we we did the whole you know trailing him thing and tracking him in the woods kind of deal and just for hours and hours and hours and hours and the next day uh for hours and hours again with my with my buddies we were out all day long I probably did 16 hours in the woods just tracking this deer and looking and in the midst of it I'm so focused on the problem at hand that I forget to take care of myself I didn't stop and rest I didn't drink or anything like that got home was just like dead tired just exhausted sat down in my chair and all of a sudden every muscle it's like all at once every muscle from like my earlobes to my buttocks to my hamstrings and calves all seized up at the same moment and i'm down on the floor like writhing screaming like a you know screaming in pain and my wife looks down at me and all of her wonderful sympathy and says did you drink any water no woman i was tracking a deer why would i just stop and drink water but it's it's interesting because you know had i had i done the work of resting i would have maintained my body's need for rest and uh you know kind of created endurance in myself but since i didn't give my body what it needs when it had to make the decision to finally rest it made it violently like it it 
halted all movement of my body in a way when my muscles seized up, I couldn't walk. I couldn't it move. Made. It told me that you were going to stop. And actually that kind of makes me think too about how in a symbolic way in our lives, the, the more we push, even in our own, our spiritual lives and our mental lives, I tend to see in myself and others that brokenness perpetuates weariness. And it's kind of like this cycle that continues to build upon itself. And the more I experience, I push in and press in, and I, and I mean brokenness in all kinds of ways. Uh, I think the 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 eternal pressing in of the world to tell us to produce, 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 produce. I think is brokenness. I think it's the the pressing in uh, that does violence to our souls. That tells us the way of life is to always produce and never stop. And if you think about it, the the way of God and the way of the kingdom is always the opposite of that. It's it's declaring that things are finished and and telling us that it's okay to stop, giving us permission to stop. And the world says you you have permission to never stop, you know? And this cycle builds in us to the point where eventually our brokenness builds and builds and builds and our are, it creates exhaustion in us. And the more broken we are, the less we sleep, the less we can truly rest, our anxious thoughts, uh, all of that fills our minds. It destroys our relationships. And all of that builds and builds and builds until eventually our, our life will come to a violent halt. And I know that manifests itself in lots of different ways, whether it's broken relationship, mental illness, loss of job, loss of our ability to think and process and uh, be in healthy, whole living yeah, talk about that psychologist. Yeah, yeah I was to say it's like this is an integrated experience. It made me think of a lot of times maybe when I'm sitting with couples or I'm hearing somebody talk about a relationship they have with somebody that's broken. A lot of the time there's there's how would I say it? Like there's this idea that's in in the person. Like say the idea is like you don't care about me or you don't love me. And that, that can get fixed and somebody can be so tracked on that and, and they can, they can not let go of that. Like there's no rest from that idea. And, and the difficulty is, is when it's correct, you need to be able to do something about it, right? Like if, if you were actually able to find the deer, that's good because you need to do something about it. But there comes a point where maybe reality is telling us actually you're wrong, you're not going to find the deer today or, or actually you're wrong. The, it's not that they don't love you. Uh, because say, if I have this idea that somebody doesn't love me, that's going to influence the way I interpret every interaction I have with them is going to influence how I behave towards them. That, that will probably generate some unloving behavior in and of itself. And so I think this, this idea of resting, it, it is about our bodies, um, but it's also about like our emotions and our souls and how we relate with people. And oftentimes what I'm trying to work with couples or individuals to do in their relationships is part of what therapy might be is deciding to take a rest from like the relentless pursuit of these truths that you believe are true and to say, wait a minute, I'm getting feedback that things aren't right like you said, your body gave you feedback that things aren't right. <laughs> You're not going to move another inch, right? Uh, oftentimes people come to therapy because they're getting feedback that, wait a minute, this way of doing, being, thinking is not working. And one way of thinking of therapy is I'm going to take a rest from gripping those ideas tightly. And I'm going to ask you to join me in resting and just taking some time to reflect on what might I be missing, 
What might I need to see differently? And when I think about that, I wonder when you talk about Sabbath being rest, I, I, I find myself wondering like what, what does that have to say about like what the role of rest in someone's life? Um, like what does Sabbath mean? What is it meant to do for us uh, as humans? Um, I'm curious to hear from you a bit about that. Well, I'm glad you asked that, Robbie, because I love to talk about things like that. Uh, coming off a of sabbatical, seven weeks of, of just rest. Um, and it wasn't an accident to land on even the number of seven weeks. There is, is so much beauty in God's divine symbolism throughout Scripture. Um, you know, God created day one through six. It's interesting. God created humanity. If you go back and read in Genesis 2, God created the first creation account in Genesis 2. God on the sixth day created humankind, man and woman. And then the first command that he gave them to do, the first thing that he gave them to do in Eden in the new creation was to chill. <laughs> Because because on the seventh day, right after he created humanity, he said, all that was good. Look, it's very good. And then on the seventh day, he looked out again and says, good, let's just chill and enjoy it all. So the first like activity God invited humanity into was not stewardship of the world. It wasn't to govern, you know, all the animals and doing its thing. He was just to rest, just to be. That's how that's how important rest is within the cycle of I believe God's rhythms in the world. Uh, it's no coincidence that on the seventh day, God rests. On the seventh year uh, in the people of Israel's belief of the world is declared the, the year of Jubilee. Uh, so seven kind of comes around this divine number of wholeness uh, and healing. So Sabbath is an invitation, but I believe it's also um, a command, a breaking in of what God sees in the world as an endless kind of pursuit of production. And Sabbath is as a declaration and a command and really permission to say the production can stop. It's giving us freedom to say that we can rest. I, I find that people's biggest obstacle to entering into true restorative rest in their lives, and I wonder if this is true with you in, the, in your counseling world, is just feeling like they, they can rest. You know, like, if, if I don't if I don't continue going and doing and being and producing, then everything's going to fall apart. But to realize and have permission that I can just stop. I mean, that was one of the most profound things that I learned during sabbatical was that I came back. I'm in my office. The, the, the church didn't burn. <laughs> the people all didn't leave. The mission of God carried on and continued. My family was OK. You know, it, it just over and over. God says, you know what? I give you permission. You can rest. You can rest. Wonderful little book that I found my way through twice during sabbaticals called Sabbath by Wayne Mueller, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives. I recommend it to you. We'll put it in the show notes today. But it says this about Sabbath. Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop when we are finished with all our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. With every accomplishment, there arises a new responsibility. Every swept floor invites another sweeping. Every child bathed invites another bathing. When all life moves in such cycles, what is ever finished? The sun goes around, the moon goes around, the tides and seasons go around, people are born and die, and when are we finished? If we refuse rest until we are finished, we will never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. Um, I just thought that was profound, that Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days. You know, when I'm pressing into busyness, the thing that's in front of me, and even when you were talking there about ideas that we hold on to, they, they can be all-consuming. 
You know, they can make us believe the lie that this is the only thing that's important and it's the most important thing and it requires all of our attention. But Sabbath and entering into pure rest that God invites us to, I believe, breaks that lie of artificial urgency that it is, in fact, not the most important thing. It's keeping you from the very thing that can bring you healing, like you were talking about. Sometimes Mm -hmm. in order to find healing from some of these really destructive you know, beliefs we have inside of our hearts and minds is to be able to step away from them, set them down and create the capacity for, for new thinking and new space that maybe will give us the, the solution to the problem we've been facing all along. Right, right. Absolutely. And when, when you were saying that before, I went that, that the capacity to stop, it makes me think of like, uh, you know, say you're, this happened with me when I'm, when I'm working out, for example, right? Like the, the, if you integrate rest into whatever you're doing, you can actually do more than you anticipate, right? Because it's just a function of the way our bodies work. It's built into our bodies that rest is required. And I think that, that aligns with this, you know, spiritual teaching about Sabbath, which is like, we are, we are not like bifurcated individuals where our body's over here and our mind's over there and our spirit's somewhere, you know, in the clouds. It's like, we are, it's all integrated together. And so something that's true for our bodies, I think what Sabbath is saying is it's also true for our minds. It's true for our souls. And I could, I could think of so many times where I've been in situations either in my own relationships or when I'm uh, working with somebody in therapy, or this happens a lot when I'm actually training supervisees where especially new, new therapists, they'll, they'll have this idea that I need to know what I'm doing all the time. And that's how people will know I'm good and I'm competent. And first of all, it's a lie because we don't always know what we're doing all the time. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have not achieved your level of enlightenment, apparently. I'm feeling my way along, brother. (laughs) So so first it's a lie, but also it's really unwise because I might think I know what I'm doing, and man, we can make some terrible mistakes when we think we know what we're mm. doing and we actually don't. I can think of many pieces of furniture I've ruined <laughs> because I thought I knew that I was putting it together right. And you get to a point where it's not working and the idea is, oh, maybe it's just because I'm not using enough force. Because, you know, of course, as a man, that's like, oh, everything <laughs> requires more force, right? And so... <laughs> I use more force and I strip the screw or something. Right. And then, you know, and then I, and then I rest and I'm like, Oh, I've broken it now. Or maybe it's close to breaking. I've gotten better at not breaking things. And I stop and I rest and I say, wait a minute, I'm not going the right way here. I need to stop and rest my thinking, my acting. And it's in that like chaotic space. I think we're scared of resting because we're afraid something will get out of hand or we won't know what to do. But in that like empty space is where creativity can happen and new ideas. In my case, help, you know, somebody else who's smarter than me uh, comes in and says, actually, you're putting it on backwards. <laughs> like if you would look at the directions, <laughs> the wrong screw. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And so, but like metaphorically, very true as well. It's like we need to stop. 
uh, and, and a lot of times we can cause a lot of damage if we don't stop and we just keep going and we, you know, we, we can make things worse where a habit of rest, I often find with people in therapy that therapy often acts as this for them of, I, I need on a regular basis to just stop and assess where I'm at and where I'm going and what's true and maybe what's not true. And what do I then do about that? And I think the, in the rest, I mean, yes, it's good for us physically, but it also, if, if we want to be able to transform or make ourselves or our world better, it's it, psychologically, it's absolutely required. And I, it's no surprise to me that it's an injunction spiritually from God, that this is the way that you are. This is required to be a, uh, I don't know how you would fill in the rest of that. This is required to be your wholest self, like the mm. best version of your, the way you God created you to be, not less than, you know. In my preacher's mind, I, I always kind of quantify with uh, alliteration, you know, that God, God, what he was teaching me this past week, three words that he gave me, maybe this will help us kind of clarify this whole conversation and maybe bring us to a place we can talk about some practical ways to enter into resting. Um, but God awakened my heart to three words that are going to hopefully guide me in, in my future here that rest awakens me or awakens my spirit, awakens my mind and my heart. It makes me aware and it uh, urges me to be available. So awake, aware and available. And I think a lot of times the brokenness and destruction that comes from non-resting in life um, keeps us under the kind of oppression of lies that we believe is truth, that I have to rest, that if I stop, something bad will happen. Um, if I don't keep going, um, I, I'm going to be ruined. You know, whatever that lie is for you that speaks into, you know, what I'm talking about speaks into the, as a listener today, maybe it's those things you hear in the back of your head that urge you to, to never quit, you know, and maybe even has uh, kind of been so insidious that it makes you believe that the, the, the work that you're doing, the incessant laboring that you're doing in life and in your physical self and your mental self and your spiritual self, even spiritually, we can just go all the time because it's followed up by a fear that we're unworthy or that something will be broken in us. You know, and so that whispering in your heart, listener, today, um, the first kind of outcome of rest is to awaken you to the presence of that lie. I think that's why, as you were talking about when you do counseling with folks, just the space of counseling, that hour where you can get them to kind of to let off the gas pedal a little bit and just create some separation will awaken them to see the reality of the presence of that lie in their lives. You know, how many I, I can share, you know. A lot of things over the next few episodes about how I was, I was awakened to the reality of certain influences in my life because I took time to rest. I saw the unhealthy pressures um, for, of success as, you know, as the world determines it for me as a pastor. You know, like the main objective is that my church grows. I get lots of people in my building, which makes me, you know, do things strategically to make that happen. Uh, to get butts in the seat. Really, though, I, all those things were moving me away from a motivation to really accomplish what what the true purpose of the church is in my world and in my sphere is to to help people find Jesus and the life that He offers them. And my main if my main motivation is to get lots of people in the seats rather than lead them to their best life, the the measures of of that success are completely different. But I don't see that when I'm in the grips of the lie that tells me this is what I have to do. So I'm awakened right. 
then I become aware. I, I found this to be true in sabbatical as I was awakened to all these broken things in my life that I began to have an awareness and a new creativity of ways forward to not live in the grips of those things. You know, I began to see how the, the new things that God wanted to speak into me, I had an awareness of just being grateful for what I did have and resting aloud for that space. And then to become available to walk into those new things and to be used in the lives of others. You know, I think availability um, kind of opens our hearts and minds to see that life busyness tends to make us be focused around self. You know, when I'm busy, really all I'm thinking about is the stuff I got to get done for my motivations. But when I rest and I become awakened, I become aware, then I become available. I start to see that I can have purpose in others' lives as I'm removed from my obsession with self, you know? Well, and then that, that availability could proceed from a place that is aware right? Which is a different type of presence, right? Like a, when I was talking earlier about supervisees that when I'm awakened and I'm aware of the fact that I don't know something, then I'm truly available to the person instead of being co-opted by my need to, you know, uh, you know, prove my competence or, you know, mm. make the person happy instead of telling them the truth or something like that, then problems come. And, and often the next move for the supervisee in the therapy is to say, to be able to be aware to say, I don't know what you're asking me. I don't know. And I'm available to you. I will work to figure it out or to help you figure it out. And that's something somebody can work with. Um, that can actually become something meaningful and useful. And so that availability to other people, I, I agree with you. It has to come from a place where there's a, an awakening and an awareness of what's true. And if we, if we don't have that, then our availability to other people is kind of co-opted by oftentimes like unconscious forces, things that are driving us, maybe lies we believe or pressures we feel internally or externally. Um, so yeah, I like that. Awakened, aware, and available. Yeah. Use that bad boy. I'm preaching it this coming Sunday. Check us out, elivinghope.com. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want to put your butt in, in the seats of my church, but I do want you to meet Jesus. That's a, a big motivation of my life. So how how do we rest then? I, I wanted to spend just you know a couple of minutes here at the end of the episode. We've talked about why rest is important. We've talked about what happens when we don't rest a little bit. And I would imagine as a listener, you're very in tuned with some of the things. You've, you've experienced it just like everybody has. You, you know what the outcome is in your life and what what what'd you say what the, what your the feedback is from your body when you're weary and exhausted and not resting so how do we enter into rhythms of rest rob won't you maybe share one or two things that come to mind and i'll share absolutely. a few and we'll kind of add some <clears throat> practical stuff here absolutely um and and this idea i actually draw from one of my favorite uh podcasts called the dark horse uh podcast um uh um, by two evolutionary biologists but what um it first draw on your culture Right. So we we have been given to us um, some like acquired wisdom from people who have lived before us for centuries and centuries about what like how our bodies function, how our minds function, how our spirits function. And so connecting with your culture and what it has to say about things like sleeping and things like uh, rhythms of life and uh, most cultures and most religious perspectives have this built in is either it's a call to prayer or it's a call to meditation or it's a call to Sabbath something, uh, pretty much every culture has this. And it, it's so true about us as humans, our physical bodies is that 
we have guidance on practices of rest. And so that means usually there's practices of rest physically, right? Like, so what waking and sleep looks like. Practically, one of the things that I think majorly gets in the way of us doing this is our access to computers in our pockets that have bright light. Um, and so we, we, are, we are living in a way very, very much different than most of our human ancestors. And so acknowledging that that's a part of life and coming up with a discipline for how you manage your mobile device or your technology or your Netflix or whatever it is, and knowing that for my body to function, I need, I need rest, which includes sleep, um, like a break from the inundation of content, you know, like uh, people can resonate with this. Like say they go camping or they go out somewhere and they spend an evening by a campfire talking there's something very restorative and also helpful for sleep in that process because we're not seeing screens. We're out at dusk. Um, the effect of low light at dusk affects our melatonin levels and impacts how we sleep. Your connection with other humans creates a feeling of safety. And the way that we often operate rest in our lives now is, you know, uh, disconnected from people connected to technology and screens and things like that. So one of the practical ways is I would recommend, you know, connecting with and, and developing a routine of disconnecting and resting your body physically every day. Um, and then uh, in addition to that, I would say, ha like I said, most cultures have a rhythm of of creating a day or a specific time period of rest that you engage in. And for some people that might be a practice of meditation where you rest from work. Uh, it might be a, you know, a church service you go to. It might be um, any number of things. Um, but so culture has a lot to say about that. And then the other point that they make, which I think is really useful is sometimes culture doesn't, doesn't help us deal with the present problem. And then what we need to do is we need to engage in conversation with other people and say, we've got this new problem, like mobile phones, for example. We've got this new problem. What do we do with this? Because nothing in our tradition tells us what to do about this mobile phone. Like we do have tradition that says we need to rest, but we need to work together to figure out what do we do with these things? They're a part of our life. We have to figure out how we maintain our connection with each other and rest while having them. So those are some of my initial thoughts. I'm curious to hear what some of your practical thinking is about it. Yeah. And before I get to you know, a few of mine, you know, the, the device thing, I, I just speak from practical experience. When I was on sabbatical, I just turned stuff off. You know, I, I took I actually took Facebook off my phone. I took all social media off my phone. I um, turned it on on uh, do not disturb and only had like four, you know, emergency contacts that would ring through. And the difference of my ability to be present was just astounding. My experience of that over over time. Mm -hmm. And I spent the last two weeks uh, or the last week and a half of my sabbatical in silence and solitude up in northern Wisconsin. And to, to not have access it just created it actually in a very uncomfortable way. It created an amount of time that made me uncomfortable at first because I had nothing to just fill fill my spaces up with, you know. But I, but then I realized how how um, it, the way that digital media sometimes does in me is it's unproductive. Um, occupation. I don't, I, I'm trying to think about how to say that, but the time that I'm on it really doesn't mean anything. 
Yeah, Does that make the sense? Net, yeah, the, 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 the cost benefit is poor. It takes right. more from you than it gives. So it's almost like a reaction that I'm just doing instead of really accomplishing it. And all of a sudden I realized how much time I had to think and to breathe and to pray and to, to read. And I, I found myself having too much of the time, you know, because, because I wasn't taking up moments of just turning my devices on. So I think we kind of to piggyback on what you said, well, I think we do have to find, it's not a, a lot of times I make uh, excuses because I need my phone for things, but I think it's definitely a beneficial thing to find space. Maybe it's a day for you. Maybe it's a, a certain time of day, like from six to nine o'clock at night, where you just make a conscious discipline decision to say, okay, nothing in my life is so urgent that I can't be separated from this from this digital connection mm-hmm. and find, I, I believe you'll really experience what I did, um, a liberation from that false kind of idea that I can't do without this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and admittedly, it, it might wake you up to some things that are not pleasant. It might not be restful to disconnect because you might wake up and realize, Oh, this relationship that I'm in is really like, when I look at it truthfully, it's really difficult. So certainly taking Sabbath is not always, uh, I tell people this when they ask about meditation, um, because that's one of my uh, spiritual practices to try to take rest is regularly, you know, 15 minutes silent sitting. And often people assume that that will then equal feeling rejuvenated, a calm mind, relaxed. No, sometimes, but sometimes the things I need to reckon with in the silence and in my rest is uncomfortable and unpleasant. But that's wonderful because then I wake up like you were talking before. I wake up and I become aware and then I can actually begin to do something about it instead of staying asleep and behaving like it's not a thing. Um, so, yeah, that's a another book I read uh, made me think of it called 50 Days of Solitude by Doris Grumbach. And she said about day 20, she said, the silence is terrifying me because I'm I'm afraid of what I'll find there. Mm-hmm. You know, she yeah. she as she spent more and more time alone and in the quiet and in the solitude. She be, she, she it generated a fear within her more and more of what of the person she would find residing there because she was going to mm-hmm. take a, a, a clear uh, look at who she really was underneath all of the things that we do to keep ourselves from looking at that place. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times this our spiritual and physical and mental brokenness is because we never we never have the space to really look at what's true underneath all of the things that we do to convince ourselves we're just okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a good smiler and fake it till you make it kind of guy. And sometimes when I'm in deep pain, nobody knows because uh, sometimes I don't even know because <laughs> I'm convincing myself that I'm just okay. And I, it's such yeah. a great point, Robbie. You're right. So gird, gird yourself. <laughs> well, Silence brings wholeness, but it, but it's sometimes you have to go through the journey of struggle to find the wholeness. Well, and and I would add that you know the belief that who's going to meet me there in silence um, for you know for the Christian it would be the belief that it's a it's a loving God will meet me there in the silence and will tend to me. Um, but I also think you know, the, the, the command to the church or the command to the people of Israel was this is something you're going to do as a people. Um, and, and I think that's also needed when we rest, that, that we have people that meet us there in our rest um, and join in it with us. Um, because I, I would agree, it can be terrifying to just sit with me. And it's really meaningful to know that I'm not going to be alone with what I find there. Mm-hmm. Um, my body needs rest. My mind needs rest. 
my spirit needs rest and part of that resting is awakening. Um, the, the, a really good example of this is when we sleep, we often dream, right? And one way of viewing dreams is, is our unconscious mind trying to work out some of the difficult problems we have in life, experiment with solutions, try to make things clear to us that aren't clear. We can often be disturbed by our dreams. And so sleep is restful, but it's also a place of awakening. Um, and I would say similar in, in rest that we need to have people that can meet us there. And also uh, consider yourself as a listener. Maybe you're someone who would meet someone else in their rest because maybe their rest is terrifying and maybe they need you to meet them there in that um, because it, it can be, well, it's, it's terrible to do it alone. Such a great point, Rob. And it brings me to, you know, I, I always have to go here and wherever you are as a listener and your spiritual journey. Um, obviously, we, we want to respect that. And um, but we Rob and I are both uh, followers of Christ. And, um, you know, I think one of the most profound things about Jesus um, in life is he says things like, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of Jesus's invitations to join him in rest um, are with him. You know, they're ne they're never just have rest by yourself. Uh, to your point, Robbie, they're always invitations to communal relationship. Isaiah thirty fifteen says, "God says, uh, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and in quietness and in trust you shall find your strength." Uh, but you were unwilling. The people of Israel were unwilling to, to enter into that. But I, I find it interesting that rest and faith is equated with salvation. It's equated with rescue. And I think that's deeply profound that for, for, for a person, for a human, that rest isn't just about taking a nap or taking a break. With God, as he invites us into wholeness and healing, the rest that he's inviting us to is restoration, you know, mm -hmm. it's restoring your inner self to the way he originally created you to be be in the first place. And rest really equals communion with God. And we'll f I love how you said that. When we rest, we'll find him there. Um, mm -hmm. We might find some things that are difficult, but we'll find, I believe, we'll find a loving God who spoke those words that all who are weary and burdened come to me and I will, I will give you rest. It, that Jesus is rest today. I just want to invite you, wherever you are on that spiritual spectrum, that maybe you would just take a moment in the times that you find a pause and in the, the practices that you uh, take. And actually, I didn't get, get to my practical stuff. We started talking. So the practices, that's something I discovered. Um, the practical um, experience of, of working through prayers. One thing that I've, I've found and discovered is liturgical prayer. I have a, a beautiful book by Robert Benson, one of my favorite authors, and it's just takes, he takes the, the book of common prayer and makes it into a real simple and easy to follow kind of um, experience. So you, I, I went through morning, midday, and evening prayers. And for me, prayer has always been a wonderful thing for me, but it's also a time when my mind just kind of goes everywhere. And I found it so helpful to have something to guide me uh, in those particular moments throughout the day. So when, no matter what was going on in my plans, I, I would do my best to just stop at certain predetermined times of the day and say, oh, it's time for my morning prayers. Um, before I do anything else, I'm just going to stop now. I'm going to take five minutes. And I think rest requires discipline. Maybe that's the, the practical right. advice coming out of right. that that I discovered. Rest doesn't just happen. You got to make it happen. You got you need to enter into discipline in your life, whatever that looks like for you. Right, right. That's 
That's beautiful. So we, we, we encourage you, we, we call you to rest. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome, that, Robbie. I've I've missed talking, man. I can't yeah. wait for future conversations here on Staring into the Sun. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we encourage you to continue joining us, share it, subscribe. We will continue digging in and staring into the sun together. Grace and peace. The way we find ourselves is by staring into the sun.